Hey, how's it going, NBA fans? I'm Kevin Haswell, your co-host. This is Blake Pace on the other side of me. Uh, this is the Courtside Take, Pure Sports Network's NBA podcast, and this is our premiere episode. Uh, excited to have. How you doing? Not bad. You know, I've loved the NBA season so far. It's it's so much more interesting when the uh, when there are some other teams that aren't just the Warriors and Cavs winning. And so I'm excited to get this started. Talk some NBA. Yeah, we're going to do it once a week. It's going to come to you on Mondays. So a little bit about ourselves. I'll talk about myself, then we'll jump over to Blake. Um, I'm Kevin Haswell. I'm the co-founder of Pure Sports Network. Uh, me and Matt Wyrick started the project. It's going to open January 1st, 2018. I'm also the sports editor at The Breeze, JMU's student-run newspaper. Uh, Blake's a staff writer here, too. So uh, we're excited to bring it. And, you know, Blake, talk about yourself a little bit. Yeah, um... I am uh, starting on January 1st as the uh, managing editor for the Pure Sports NFL page. Uh, Diehard Knicks fan. Uh, sadly, at times, it, it gets pretty sad at some point. But uh, yeah, just really excited to talk some uh, basketball. I also work the football podcast for Pure Sports, uh, Goal to Go. comes out on Wednesdays. And uh, yeah, that's about all I got. Yeah, so a um, little bit about myself. Also, I'm a huge Sixers fan, so uh, you're going to hear hot takes from me all year. Uh, you know, Sixers definitely winning a playoff series this year and, uh, people will doubt until it happens, but trust the process. Um, but we'll jump into some topics. Uh, the first one comes to mind is that the LA Clippers, you know, after a hot start this year, um, they've had some injuries, Patrick Beverly, uh, tours meniscus, uh, expected to miss the remainder of the season. Gallinari, Griffin, and Tio Dosich are all hurt. Um, the Clippers not playing very well right now. Eight and fourteen overall, tenth in the Western Conference. A lot of teams, you know, or a lot of people thought after a hot start, maybe a contender in the Western Conference, but not not so fast. Um, Blake, should they blow it up? Yeah, I think they're at the point where they have to. And uh, for me, it starts with Doc Rivers as the head coach. Um, you know, I never really thought he deserved to be given the general manager position when he was hired. And even though he doesn't have it anymore, they took it away this past offseason. There's some real issues on the roster that are like still resulting because of it. You know, they've wasted some first-round picks, signed injury-prone athletes. I was to big contracts, so I wasn't a fan of bringing Danilo Gallinari in uh, this past offseason. And, you know, they haven't really found some solid continuity. Um, they had to get rid of Chris Paul. I'm glad that they got the return that they did. There are some young players there that I like, you know, uh, Sam Decker, Montrez Harrell. And, um, you know, maybe throughout the year we'll see if they can uh, hold any spots on the roster. Um, another thing that I really don't like about the Clippers, what they've done is I don't really think they should have ever brought in Austin Rivers to the team, and that's something I hold Doc accountable for. Uh, it seems like he's been held to a lower uh, to lower expectations than the last uh, the rest of the locker room, and you know the players really noticed that. And there have been a few frustrations. Chris Paul said something about Austin Rivers in this offseason. I think he's paid too much, given too many minutes, and he's really failed to really have a significant impact in the league. Um, beyond that, I think once Doc is gone, you know you have to. Trade uh, DeAndre Jordan, in my opinion. Uh, he's a big contract guy. This team this season doesn't seem to be going anywhere with all the injuries. And the logjam with him and Griffin hasn't really lived up to the full potential it could be at. You know, you're seeing, you know, down in uh, New Orleans, you know, Anthony Davis and uh, DeMarcus Cousins are tearing up the league right now and doing really well in the Western Conference. Um, but you really, you don't get that uh, as much offense from Griffin and uh, Jordan combination. Where do you see see DeAndre Jordan fitting? I honestly, I really like the potential with the Bucks. I think he needs to go to the Eastern Conference. Um, I think when you build teams 
um, in the league this year, you want to build a, a starting roster and say that these five can match up against the Golden State Crunch lineup. You know, with Curry, Thompson, Iguodala, Draymond, and Kevin Durant. And I mean, that's the goal, right? To beat the best. Exactly. And at this point, I don't think DeAndre Jordan, while he is one of the best defenders in the league, I don't think his offensive um, liabilities and, you know, his... Um, his, uh, his ability to keep up with the pace of the Warriors really makes him a fit in the Western Conference. Yeah, I mean, I there's been rumors flying around about DeAndre Jordan and maybe a Cavaliers fit. Yeah. I don't really see it. Um, I, I I could see them trading for him, but at the, at the same time, they probably have to give up the Nets pick. Don't like trading away that. They should probably keep that for the future, especially if LeBron goes to L.A. this offseason. Uh, DeAndre Jordan just doesn't fit in that Cavs offense. I think... Uh, Tristan Thompson needs to turn his play around a little bit, and they'll be fine. Uh, DeAndre Jordan's not quite the end-to-end player that you need to beat the Warriors. Um, and I, I think there's better fits. Uh, but, you know, the rumors are going to spread. Everyone loves talking about the Cavs, so uh, we'll see. Yeah, and basically for the Cav- uh, the Clippers this season, I'd call it a wash. I would trade DeAndre. I really think that he could be a real defensive presence for the um, for the Bucks this year. I would also try and move Danilo Gallinari. I'm really not a fan of that contract. And then give some of the young guys like Sam Decker, Montrezl Harrell some minutes and see how they develop. You know, come back next year with a lineup of Tadozic and Beverly at the guards. I really like that combination. Some great passing, some great defense. Um, You'll have a top pick if you call it a wash this year. And, you know, you can get one of the top forwards, uh, DeAndre Ayton, Marvin Bagley, Michael Porter, any of those guys. Potentially slide Griffin to the five, and then you have like a, a full lineup that can really go toe to toe with the Warriors if you want. Yeah, you know, I, I look at the schedule or I look at their roster, and not a lot of guys jumping jumping off the page. I was going into their advanced statistics a little bit, uh, player efficiency rating, not very high throughout this team. You know, you talked about how you didn't like Danilo Gallinari, eleven point three player efficiency rating. Sorry, can't speak. Uh, Austin Rivers also at twelve. The league average is fifteen. So a lot of these players not playing up to expectations, especially Patrick Beverly before he got hurt. Player efficiency rating of thirteen point two. Um, you know, I, I like what he brings on the defensive side of the ball, but you know, they're, they're definitely missing. And then, you know, I jump into defensive box plus minus and there's not a lot of players playing great defense on this team. Bryce Johnson, who's only played 28 minutes this year, has the highest defensive, uh, defensive box plus minus with 4.8. But then after, uh, Wesley Johnson and Deandre Jordan and Montrez Harrell, the rest of the team is in the negative. So they're not playing much defense. Um, most of the, the players that are playing well are on the offensive side of the ball. Lou Williams has been pretty good this year. And, you know, Blake Griffin was having another great year. Um, but then he, you know, he got hurt. So I, I think it's – I'm with Blake on this. I think it's time to uh, clear house, kind of what the Giants did today. Yeah. Uh, different sport, but, you know, get rid of the GM, even though they just hired him. Get rid of Doc Rivers and, you know, clean house. And I, I think it all should have been done back when, when Chris Paul decided to go to the Rockets. I think they should have blown it up that blown it up then, um, but you know they've waited and now they have really a mediocre roster after all these injuries. So uh, they're not making the, the playoffs in a tight Western Conference. So, yep, it's time it's time to blow it up. But we'll move on to the next topic. Uh, a team that you know everyone the hot take was to pick this team over the Warriors in the Western Conference. They had they had great matchups. Um, now with acquiring Paul George and Carmelo Anthony this offseason, the Thunder really looked like they were poised to make a run. And, you know, they're sitting at 10 and 12, ninth in the Western Conference, and Russell Westbrook's just not playing the same as he did last year. Blake, what's going wrong with the Thunder? I don't think Russell Westbrook is holding onto the ball enough, as, as weird as that sounds. I think he needs to really go back to his play last year. 
um, get the usage percentage back up, take some more shots. And, you know, instead of last year when you would drive into the paint and kick the ball to Oladipo, Andre Roberson, or Jeremy Grant, now you have Paul George and Carmelo Anthony. I think that um, he needs to play the same level of basketball that he did last year, but realize that he has better shooters now. And so when he kicks it out, you know, there's, you know, a better chance of, you know, getting some more assists. When I look at the other guys that they brought in, someone needs to put Carmelo Anthony in his place. <laughs> you know, I put I the love, man in his place. I love Carmelo Anthony. He is the reason I love the NBA. Grew up in Syracuse, loved him in Denver, loved when he came to New York. But the past few years, it was terrible to watch. The offense completely stops when he touches the ball. If they're running a play and Carmelo Anthony touches the ball, it's a mid-range jumper. That's all you're going to get. Or like a soft dunk where he doesn't even touch the rim. You know, it, it was fine in New York for a little when he was averaging 28 and had no other stars around him. But he's, you know, in Oklahoma City, the third, possibly the fourth when you give Steven Adams uh, best player on that team. And the number one and two are miles ahead of him. I don't think he should be shooting the ball 16 times a game. You know, he's got the lowest assist average of his career. I understand that just comes with, you know, touching the ball less because of a ball-dominant player like Russell uh, Westbrook. But I really thought when he was coming into Oklahoma City that this was the perfect fit for him. He was going to be the number three, number four player on a team, sit in the corner, take some open shots. But, you know, they're, they're trying to implement him too much into the offense and are giving him some design plays where I really think he just needs to be a spot-up shooter. Yeah, I think when they acquired him this offseason, they acquired him as a spot-up shooter. And they're not really using him as that right now. Uh, he really, the ball, like you said, needs to go through Russell Westbrook. And, you know, when I've watched the Thunder this year, a lot of times it's either Russell Westbrook or Paul George bringing up the ball and whoever starts with the ball is going to finish with the ball and shoot. And I think, you know, they need a little more ball movement. Um, and then, you know, with Carmelo Anthony camping out in the corner or uh, just sitting on the three-point line, this this offense will look a lot better. I think he kind of crams up space when he catches the ball and dribbles around way too long. I think his usage rate, while it has dropped uh, significantly from last year, I think it needs to drop even more. Mm-hmm. I think he needs to, like Blake said, needs to be a spot-up shooter. I think it will help this Thunder offense. Um, but, you know, Russell Westbrook also, the ball – the reason the Thunder were so good last year is because the ball went through Russell Westbrook majority of the time. Yeah. This year, it's it's more Paul George and other guys. So I think, you know, maybe use Paul George more as a spot-up shooter as well. I think Russell Westbrook's best when he gets a rebound, he goes end-to-end, and he either throws it out for three or he dunks on someone. I think Billy Donovan needs to make the change, needs to change up the offense a little bit. Like you said, put Carmelo Anthony in his place, tell him he's no longer that go-to scorer. And I think the Thunder can turn it around. I think they have the talent, especially on the defensive side of the ball. They've been a tale of two teams, this, or a tale of two halves in most games this year. Played defensively great in the first half and then fall off. Um, you've seen it with a couple losses to key contenders in the West, especially the Spurs a couple weeks ago. There was a game there was up there were 25 in the first half and ended up losing to a team without a bunch of key players. So I really like this Thunder team coming in to the season, but the way they're playing right now, it has – there's some question marks there, um, and and like Blake said, huge one is Carmelo Anthony, and then you know, put him in his place. And I don't think this season is a is a way like we're not even two months in. And I really oh, think that's... this is something that can turn around, and when it does, like you know, the Western Conference is like it is so strong right now. When the Thunder turn things around in the next month or two, like I expect them to, it's going to make for so much more interesting basketball. I just think it's it's so tough to bring in three ball-dominant players their entire careers and put them on the same team and expect success from day one. You know, just like you saw when, you know, 
Dwayne Wade and uh, Chris Bosh and LeBron yeah. joined in Miami. It takes like, a season. It, it, it takes it, a season. I mean, they lost yeah. to the Mavericks the first season. They didn't even won an NBA championship. Exactly. So it takes time, and hopefully, you know, if Paul George wants to stay around, if Melo wants to stay around, you know, hopefully they can keep that um, going for next year. But you know, it, people are panicking uh, a little too quick for me. But you know, there are some things that need to be changed. Yeah, I think. And another thing, looking at the numbers. Carmelo Anthony's playing 32 minutes a game this year. I think they need to tinker that down to maybe 25 to 27 minutes a game. I mean, I'm looking at his defensive rating. In his career, per 100 possessions, never been below 100, uh, allowing 104 points per 100 possessions this year. That's not very good on the defensive side of the ball. So, you know, take him off the court a little bit, and maybe those second-half struggles on the defensive end uh, change. And I, I, I'm still a huge believer in the Thunder. I think at the end of the season – They'll be probably a three seed in the Western Conference. I, li- I really like the play- way the Rockets are playing right now, um, and, and I think they're going to keep it up. So I think the Thunder could be a three or four seed in the West, but we'll see. Um, but, Blake, any last thoughts on that? Yeah, it just takes time, and I think it'll be a great playoff series whoever they get matched up with. Yeah, so on to our next topic. and love to talk about the Western Conference today. <laughs> get to the Memphis Grizzlies. They, do- they fired David Fisdale uh, last week. They're, they finished seventh in the Western Conference last year and struggling once again this year. So, I mean, you look at the roster and, and it's very weak. And other outside of Marcus Saul and you know Chandler Parsons has played well this year, but Mike Conley, there, there's really not that much talent there. A lot of t- young guys and Tyreek Evans has played well, but is it time to blow up? Yeah, they really have to. I, to me, they have too many players on the roster that are making way too much money for their level of performance. Chandler Parsons has been, you know, all right off the bench, but he is making a ton of money. And in, in 2016, they made Mike Conley the highest paid player in, in league history. And, you know, it's been arguable since then because he's seen a decrease in points, field goal percentage, assists, and PER. Um, I really didn't like the firing of Dave. Fisdale, he was a he was a good young coach. Worked his way through the rankings to this job, had success in a really tough Western Conference in his first year, and was cut loose after an aging roster with overpaid players hit a really bad losing streak. Um, some some of these contracts are stuck. I don't think it'd be nearly possible to move Chandler Parsons and you know probably Conley at this point too. Um, I do know, however, the Celtics and there's been rumors linking them to it that the Celtics would pay some big bucks for Marcus All and have a lot to offer in terms of draft picks and young talent. You know, they they have all of these young guys and all of these draft picks next year, the year after, and I think that um, if they were to blow it up, in my opinion, Marc Gasol, given his age and, um, I don't know, just given the, the contract that Parsons and Conley are under makes him the most movable. Yeah, I mean, they definitely have some players on the roster that really should be moved. I think if they're going to blow it up, uh, kind of take the tactic to maybe tank like the Sixers, maybe trade away these guys, get some draft picks. Uh, Marcus Saul, definitely still a great player, great passer from the center position. And I think they can get a ton for him if they trade. Uh, definitely multiple first-round picks, I think. So um, they th- they can trade him. Mike Conley, uh, not sure if they're going to want to trade him. He's 30 years old. Uh, but, you know, another pers- another team that or another player that they could bring a nice haul in for. Uh, and I, I don't know if there's a trade value there for tra- Chandler Parsons, but um, he's being t- paid $23 million this year. He's really not – I mean, he's not playing $23 million worth. So uh, you need to blow it up. They got some young players. I think Tyreek Evans is one of those players that at the trade deadline they're going to be able to deal because the way he's playing and the little re- 
revival of his career. Yeah. Um, I think a lot of teams out there like him off the bench as a scorer. So I don't know. I I think the the Fisdale firing had more to do with the 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 feud between him and Marcus Saul than it had to do with their record. But I think they just need to blow it up. Um, like we were talking about with the Clippers. I'm a you'll learn from this this show and if you've listened to Visitors Bullpen, I'm a big proponent of ripping everything down and starting from scratch. Um, that's how you change a culture. That's how you change the organization. So I think uh, the Clippers and and the Grizzlies, I think it's time for both of them to rip it down, trade these guys for, for valuable draft picks and young players, and, you know, see what they can do in two to three years. Yeah, and like I said with the Clippers, I really I think there are a few good uh, young guys that you can learn a lot from in the next year or two to see if they'll fit in the rotation. I really like the play from uh, rookie Dylan Brooks this year out of Oregon. Um, Jermichael Green has been a good uh, starter at the four for them this year. James Ennis, um, Deonta Davis. These guys can potentially be solid rotation players given the right development. Um, I mean, there is definitely young talent there. Yeah, yeah. But uh, for me, there isn't much hope this year unless, you know, you get Parsons and Conley to kind of wake up, turn things around in an already competitive Western Conference. Yeah, uh, I mean, we'll see what the the Grizzlies do down the stretch. Uh, One of the things is... You know, a lot of these teams in the Eastern Conference, so if the Grizzlies play in the Eastern Conference, they might not rip it down just yet because they can maybe make a playoff run with, with the mediocre teams that are in the bottom of the Eastern Conference. But playing in the Western Conference, I think they, the goal is to beat the Warriors. They're not beating the Warriors anytime soon. Might as well rip it down and see what they can do with young talent down the road. Um, but before we move on to our next topic, one to jump to uh, something me and Blake discussed we were going to do every week. Uh, we're going to go through Team of the Week. Player of the Week and Rookie of the Week. Uh, we'll start with Player of the Week. Blake, who's your Player of the Week? Well, my player and my Rookie of the Week kind of happen to be the same person, and it's going to go to Donovan Mitchell um, from from Utah, uh, out of Louisville. You know, a lot of people, I feel like, slept on him. Kind of like um, kind of like players slept on uh, how teams slept on uh, Rookie of the Year, Malcolm Brogdon last season. Yeah, that's who I met. You know, a lot of people take these older guys in college and kind of don't really hold them up to uh, much expectations. They spend a lot of time in college. Um, but, you know, Donovan came out of Louisville, 13th pick. You know, some solid teams passed on him. Uh, the Knicks passed on him. Oh, and actually scratched that. Uh, Donovan is 21, so what, he spent three years in college? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, you know, averaging 16.4 games uh, points per game this year. His last 10 games, shooting 44%. Almost 20 points a game, uh, one and a half steals per game, almost five assists and four rebounds per game. He's been great, you know, for this Utah team that's, you know, missing Rudy Gobert recently. Um, It's unfortunate that they're still trying to battle out some rotation and uh, spots between him and Rodney Hood. There are a couple good guards with them, but he's been really solid the past week. And, you know, he topped it off with a a career-high 41 points against the Pelicans. Yeah, so I like the Donovan Mitchell uh, pick. He's definitely been playing well, but... The player who I'm looking at is a player that made a huge jump this year is Aaron Gordon. Last week, 40 points, 15, re- or 15 rebounds, 4 assists, 4 steals, and a block against OKC. Uh, and then to top it off against the Warriors, 29.7 rebounds, 2 blocks, and a steal. He's averaging 18.6 points per game, 8 rebounds, uh, 2.4 3s from him, and uh, almost a steal and a block a game. So Aaron Gordon... He's played terrific. Um, according 
for all those people out there that play fantasy basketball, he's the position ranked four power forward in the NBA, which is which is crazy. Who would have thought at the beginning of the season that Aaron Gordon would have been this good? Um, I've really liked what I've seen out of him, and you know it's helping the Magic play. So, uh, Blake, who's your team of the week? My team of the week is the Cavs, and this really has to be the team of the past few weeks. They're riding a hot win streak. This past week, they took wins over your 76ers. You know, no yeah, offense. Slot. LeBron James looked brilliant in that, 30-14-6. And, um, and they went on and beat the Heat the next day, beat the Hawks, and beat the Grizzlies. And, you know, that's not a tough schedule by any means, but they're rolling. They're one of the hottest. And, you know, Kevin Love had some great outings. You know, he had 38 points against the Heat, you know, 25-16 and 16 against the Hawks, and then followed it up with 11 rebounds against the Grizzlies. You know, the, there wasn't much uh, to hope for with the Cavs early on. They really struggled. There's a lot of injuries on the team, a lot of aging players. You know, Derrick Rose is still gone, but they're they're finding their groove, and they look to be the best in the East right now. Yeah, I hate to copy you on that one, but the Cavs are my pick too. They've been playing great. Over the last 10 games, they're 10-0. and 0. You know, at the beginning of the season, everyone was wondering, you know, with the defense and the way they were playing, uh, people were wondering if this team could even win the Eastern Conference, especially with how the Celtics were playing. But I really like this Cavs team. I really like the way they built it um, over the last couple of seasons with all these three-point shooters. I like the uh, I like the fact that they brought in Jeff Green this offseason. He's played really well this year, 10 points a game, uh, three rebounds a game. So he's really providing something off the bench with a, um effective field goal percentage of 52.4%. So he's playing well, and... I don't know why people continually doubt LeBron James. At the end of the day, he's going to win the Eastern Conference. Celtics are, we'll talk about it later, can the Celtics sustain this, but LeBron's not losing the Cavs, or Celtics in the no. in the Eastern Conference Finals. I, Blake, what do you think? He's having one of the best years of his career, if you look at it. I mean, the last time he was putting up numbers like this was when he was one vote away from becoming the unanimous. Uh, which he should have been the unanimous. Which he was. The one he guy, almost shot 60% um, that season. It was... The one guy that didn't vote for him put Carmelo Anthony as the MVP. That's when you know. That's when you know. He should have been the unanimous. You know, he's, he's playing lights out this year. And people really, you know, I hate that, you know, there aren't as many people in the whole LeBron versus Jordan debate. But if LeBron... We'll have that debate well, another we day. we can have that debate another day. But, you know, LeBron's play just seems to keep getting better and better throughout his career. And, you know, there's no stopping him. And we'll see how it goes through the rest of the year. He's never been hurt. He's playing some great basketball. That's the one thing that people never talk about with LeBron James. The man's never gotten hurt. Yeah. Never had a serious injury. I mean, where's he at now? 11 seasons in the NBA? No, he's more at 11 seasons in the NBA. 14. 14 seasons. 15 seasons. This is 15th season in the NBA. And this year is the third highest player efficiency rating he's had in his career. Behind 2008 and 2009 in Cleveland, and like you talked about, the 2012-2013 uh, year in Miami, 31.3. The league average is 15, so he's almost double as good as the average player in the NBA. Um, you know, we'll, we'll talk about LeBron James. We, we I could talk about LeBron James yeah. in a whole episode. Um, but, you know, player of the week, don't doubt the Cavs. And you already said your rookie of the week, right? Donovan yeah, Mitchell. Yeah. You want to talk a little bit more about him? Yeah, I just think like, and I guess I'm going back a little more than a week. So I'm going back to not this past Saturday, but the Saturday before when they uh, beat the Milwaukee Bucks. Um, you know, he went 9 of 16 from the field, 6 of 10 for 3, put up 24 points. Then he followed that up with 16, uh, went 2 for 5, shot 41% from the field. Uh, 
And then against the Clippers, had another 24-point game, shot 5 for 10 from 3. And then, you know, his career game against the Pelicans this past Friday. Played a, uh, 37 minutes, shot 52% from the field, 6 of 12 from 3, 4 rebounds, 4 assists. You know, he's just been great this past few weeks, and uh, he's really showing some teams that they missed out. Yeah. You know, my pick, a little biased here, but Ben Simmons. Shocker. Week <laughs> after week after week, I'm going to pick Ben Simmons as Rookie of the Week because he's going to win Rookie of the Year. Yeah. I don't think there's a doubt there. He's averaging 18 points, 9 rebounds, 7 assists, and 2 steals a game this year. All while shooting, let's see, um, a little slow with my computer, guys. Um, all while shooting 50% from the field. Ben Simmons is is the reason that the 76ers are going to win a playoff series this year. Um, but, you know... I don't know what, what else to say. He, he, I, he's got me lost for words. So we'll move on to our next topic. Um, the Milwaukee Bucks, this offseason, you know, you really looked at this team with Jason Kidd as their coach, and they had the potential uh, to maybe, you know, contend with the Cavs, the Celtics, and the Eastern Conference, especially with the construction of their roster and the way Giannis has really come, come along. Uh, but right now, you know, they're 12-9. and nine. Uh, after the acquisition of Eric Bledsoe, they really haven't played as well as people have thought they could have played with Bledsoe at, at, at point guard. So, you know, Blake, what's going wrong with them? There are two big things when I think of what's holding the Bucks back. And the first one is Jason Kidd as the head coach. You know, how has he failed to develop any point guard that's come through Milwaukee? I know the list isn't great, but before Eric Bledsoe, Matthew Delvedo. Oh, timeout. Malcolm Brogdon. I have him as a as more of a shooting guard. He's playing. Okay, all right, all right, all right. That's year. fair. That's fair. That's fair. But that's also a guy that I think was just slept on in the draft because he was older. I think he's okay. not going to the second. That's round. fair. That's fair. And he's a very very smart player. So. Yeah, yeah. And so so guys like I mean you know I'm a Syracuse bias guy, but like Tyler Ennis, Michael Carter Williams have come through Milwaukee in his time. They haven't developed at all underneath him. Matthew Delvadova was a nice defender before, but still hasn't improved his offensive a lot, game. A lot of those players you're naming just. Simply aren't good point oh, guards in general. Yeah, but like, definitely. I know I I understand what you're but, saying. But that was his big thing when I when I heard of Jason Kidd as a head coach. It was like, you know, how can he take young point guards and turn them into his style of game? And I haven't seen any of that at all. You know, they've also been really bad on defense since he's arrived. They were 22nd in the league in 2015-2016 season. You know, moved up to 19th last year, and you know, are 16th this year, but still a bottom half uh, team in. Uh, in defense this year you know a lot of his success when I look at it has been off draft steals like Giannis like Malcolm Brogdon you know I'm not ready to say that their success is based off Jason Kidd and then when I look at the only other thing that I think is really holding the Bucks back is is missing Jabari Parker yeah I was going to talk about that but you can continue well yeah to only play 147 games in over three years that he's been in the league the injuries are just continuing to pile up yeah I mean uh, I'll take it from there um you know the one thing that really shocks me when I look at the Bucks is Giannis has a better player efficiency rating than LeBron James this year, and LeBron James is playing one of the best years of his career. Now, the downside to Giannis is I think the NBA is going to end up catching up to him. I think the, the lack of a jump shot, the lack of a three-point shot is going to hurt him. I think they're going to adjust. I mean, he's a freak. That's why they call him the Greek freak. You can go end-to-end, score it at, basically at will this year. Um, but I like the Eric Bledsoe. Uh, I like getting him. He's great, great with getting steals, great on the defensive side of the ball. And Chris Middleton uh, starting to heat up a little bit. 
And I really like the way John Henson's been playing. Uh, he's come around, started blocking some shots. So all those guys are above league average and player efficiency rating. And then below that, everyone else on the team is below league average. So I, I think the Jabari Parker coming back is really going to help this roster, you know, really turn the corner. Because I don't know what, outside of Chris Middleton and Giannis, I don't think they really have a go-to scorer. Eric Bledsoe is not that go-to scorer you need. Chris Middleton's a great shooter, but I wouldn't look at him at that category. If you need 15, 10 straight points from a guy down the stretch, Chris Middleton's not that guy. They really only have Giannis. Giannis, I'm not saying they don't have a supporting cast they really don't have that go-to score outside of him. So I think Jabari Parker coming back, I know he averaged like 19 points a game the last full season he played, uh, if he did play a full season. Uh, the last season he played the most games. I, I like the Bucks and I think they can turn it around, but I, I don't know. Yeah, and, and they've been hot recently. They've taken, I think I saw, seven out of their last ten. So things are trending upwards for them, but being in a weak Eastern Conference, I know some teams like Detroit and – I guess not Orlando anymore, but they were surprised at the beginning of the year that the the Bucks should be the, you know at least the third or fourth best team in this conference in my opinion, and that's something where I really think that you know if Jabari Parker comes back, making a trade for DeAndre Jordan just makes the, so much sense to me. Imagine how long that team could be oh. if you have DeAndre Jordan sitting in the paint Andre. and you have Giannis on defense. the The fact teams will not get. A shot up in the paint. No, no, and and especially that helps out Jabari Parker's play a lot because you know Jabari's great on offense. He's upped his points total from twelve point three in his rookie year. To especially with the torn ACL, he's going to struggle to play defense. Exactly, and he's already been you know below average at defense in his career, and so you know pairing him with a defensive big at the center really makes that combination a lot easier to flow. And you know the Bucks could. I I love. This trade idea, I saw another report of it this morning. You know, DeAndre Jordan hired an agent this morning. Hasn't had one in two years. He definitely sees something coming. Yeah, so I think he knows his time is coming to an end. And I really think that, you know, just Milwaukee keeps popping in my head like this is a move that could really change their team. Yeah, I think that that would be a great move for them. Getting Eric Bledsoe and DeAndre Jordan adding to that roster that they had preseason. Mm -hmm. Especially if they, you know, getting Jabari Parker back is basically like trading for him. Because you didn't have him all season. So... Having him back, I think Toledovich being hurt hurts a little bit. He brings uh, a threat from the three-point line. Mm-hmm. And then Delvadova uh, hurt right now, not playing due to tendonitis. I think him as your back, being able to play him from the backup point guard position really can help Eric Bledsoe, um, get him get him some time uh, on the bench, some rest. So those are three big guys that are hurt. And I think, you know, like Blake said, if they make that DeAndre Jordan trade, this Bucks team can make a jump from not just being a great team, but being a contender in the Eastern Conference. Because I don't think they're there yet. Blake, do you think they're a contender? Um, I wouldn't say this year, no. And it all really comes down to when LeBron James decides to leave Cleveland and where he goes. Uh, I think he's gone after this year. I know we'll have a debate about that in the future. But I really think that... Um, the East, there's, there isn't really true contenders in the East until LeBron James is out of the East, in my opinion. And so, uh, I, we'll have that debate about the Celtics with Gordon Hayward because yeah, that's that's true. That's very well. We don't know what the what the Celtics would be like with Gordon Hayward. We got what yeah. a whole two to eight minutes or whatever yeah, exactly. happened. So I mean, that's so. But yeah, I think I think this has just got to be one of the, mo- the the brightest futures outside of Boston right now. I think Boston, Philadelphia too. I mean, if you guys can stay healthy, you know, that is going to be unreal. The East could become a lot more competitive with these young teams getting better. And, you know, 
he maybe even if LeBron James does take a step back in the next year or two if he does stay in the East. But um, I wouldn't say this year, but next year I'd give the Bucks a real shot at the East. Yeah, so, I mean, the Bucks just aren't playing well uh, like they should be on the offensive side and the defensive side. In offensive rating, they're 107.3, which is 16th in the NBA. In defensive rating, they're 108, which is 18th in the NBA. With Giannis on, with Giannis on that roster, I don't know how – they're 18th in the NBA in defensive rating. I mean, the guy gets blocks, steals. I guess he's just he, – he can't hold the whole team accountable. Um, but I, especially with the acquisition of, of Eric Bledsoe um, and John Henson in the paint, I, I don't know how this team's not doing well defensively. Yeah. But, I mean, we'll see. I, I still think the Bucks end up a top four seed in the East um, most likely, especially with how weak the Eastern Conference is. Yeah. But, you know, we'll talk about another Eastern Conference team before uh, we move on or before we conclude our premiere episode. Sorry, guys, I'm a little rough today. Uh, haven't been on a podcast in a couple weeks. So uh, Celtics, 20-4 uh, and four this season. There's one other team in the NBA with only four losses. Blake, can you name the team? Rockets. The Rockets, yeah. yes. The Rockets are the only other team with four losses in the NBA. Uh, the Celtics – Playing terrific. They went on that huge win streak. Uh, just some numbers to look at. Offensive rating, they're 108.1, which is 12th out of 30 teams. Defensive rating, they're first in the NBA at 100.8. Can the Celtics keep this up? I mean, you look at the roster. They have a lot of young guys, and no one really expected them to be the best defensive team in the NBA. Uh, that's usually the Warriors. So, Blake, I, I don't know. Can the Celtics keep this up, especially without Gordon Hayward? I really think they can, and, and a lot of it has to be given credit to Brad Stevens. You know, while they're scoring in the lower half of the league points per game, they're holding opponents to the league's second best, 97.4, which is just .2 behind San Antonio. Um, so I, I look at Brad Stevens, and I really see a younger version of Greg Popovich. And, you know, these two guys, when I'm talking about them, they're some of the best coaches in the league, in my opinion. Brad Stevens might become, you know, he's early candidate for coach of the year, um, early favorite in my opinion. He was my pick at the beginning of the year. Um, and, you know, his play calling is so unique, and it's opening up even more as the year goes on. That's that's one big thing with um, offensive play calling in, in basketball is how can you expand upon it as the season goes on. And that's in other sports too, you know, especially the NFL. You know, you see a lot of hot teams, you know, like the Eagles. You know, they keep expanding their playbook, and up until last night, that looked good. They struggled. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but, yeah, back to the NBA. You know, they're shooting top 10 in three-point percentage. They're fourth best at three-point defense and ranking the top half of the league in turnover sports per game. You know, the roster has 11 players under the age of uh, age 25 and under. Only Al Horford, Marcus Morris, and Aaron Baines are older than that. They're young, and, you know, while I might think that that has, you know, a downside to it in experience – they have fresher legs and are able to, you know, maybe stay healthier through a full season and into the postseason of basketball. Yeah, I, I mean, you go through the roster, and, and a lot of these guys on this team are having career years. Al Horford, see, I, I, I'll ponder a question in a second to you that's kind of an interesting topic that I, I heard on another podcast a couple weeks ago. Um, but Al Horford's been terrific, 13.9 points per game, eight rebounds a game. He's shooting uh, – 54% from the field. And then, you know, Kyrie Irving just has that look in his eye. Like, he's going to put up a career year, 23 points a game. I don't know what's gotten into him. He didn't used to be a high field goal percentage guy. Now he's up to 53% this year. And, you know, he's decided to play defense. He's averaging 1.5 steals a game this year. At one point, he was leading the NBA in steals. Um, I, I just don't know if 
it's hard because a lot of these guys are inexperienced. Um, Terry Rogier, Semi Ojale, a lot of these guys haven't gotten big minutes on a contending team. So, I mean, I, I like the Celtics. And while I probably think they'll be the number one seed in the East come season end because LeBron really doesn't care at the end of the day. If he gets a three seed, a two seed, a four seed, whatever, he's going to win the Eastern Conference. I think the Celtics team is good enough to get to the Eastern Conference Finals. I think that's it for them, though. Yeah, I don't really see them this year. Just like we said with the Bucks getting, and I don't see anyone getting past LeBron James. Um, you know, although it's interesting to think, you know, when you think of who's beaten LeBron James throughout his career, it comes down to great coaching. Um, I'm a big, uh, big Greg Popovich fan, and you know, he beat the uh, he beat the Heat twice in the finals, and you know, I see a lot of Greg Popovich and Brad Stevens. I don't see, you know, the talent or experience on that roster yet, but it could get there in the next few years. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, when you really – there's no stopping LeBron when it comes to the playoffs. I think the big key to stopping LeBron is not stopping LeBron, is letting LeBron do him and and really guarding everyone else on the floor because where LeBron will end up hurting you is when he can drive and kick to shooters. If you look at that team right now, they have Kyle Korver, J.R. Smith. Jay Crowder should be a good three-point shooter, not shooting well this year. They have a lot of three-point shooters on that team that literally just sit on the three-point line, and they're on that team to make threes. If you take that away from the Cavs, LeBron can't win a game by himself. He can't score 100 points. No. Someone else has to score. Dwayne Wade is not that type. And I think that's why the Cavs are struggling a little bit more. Yeah. This team isn't the type of team that – I know we're getting away from the Celtics. I love talking about the Cavs. Oh, yeah. um, at the end of the day, that, that their team's not built like they were in the past where it was just a bunch of shooters around LeBron. They have a lot more of slashers on their team. Um, and, you know, I think the Celtics can take them to six or seven games in this series. Uh, it could come down to a seventh game. So I like this Celtics team and what they can do against the Cavs, especially defensively because, like you said, with being young and having fresh legs – they're going to be able to defend all game long, and I think that's what you're seeing out of them this year. Uh, there's a lot of NBA teams that can play, like, like for, for instance, the Thunder with Carmelo Anthony. Not always known as a, as a defensive guy. He might be able to play defense for a quarter or a half, but when it comes down to it, legs get tired, gets lazy, doesn't play great defense in the second half, and I think that's what you're seeing out of the Thunder. Whereas the Celtics, with the fresh legs, they can play defense hard all game. So I really like what this team is going to be able to do in the playoffs um, play defense for, for 48 minutes. And I think that's what Brad Stevens is really going after with his team is play hard for 48 minutes and good things will come out. And the, the question I wanted to ponder before the end of the episode is which player on the Celtics, you take away Kyrie Irving or you take away Al Horford, which player hurts the Celtics more? Al Horford. I, I would have to agree. I think he just brings so much. He's kind of that Marcus Saul type for them. He's kind of in the middle of that offense you can throw him the ball, he'll make a post move, or flip it out, a nice pass to someone for three. So I really like what, what Al Horford's been doing this year. And while Kyrie Irving's been great, you take him away, and they might be more efficient offensively. Oh, yeah. He's been efficient this year, but he's not been known as an efficient player in his career. He's a good scorer, great ball handling. On the defensive end, he's played better this year. But I think you take away Al Horford, and this team struggles to defend. It struggles on offense. Al Horford is the middle of this Celtics team, and I think you take him away, um, and and it's not smooth sailing. Yeah, and the interesting thing I, I wrote this down, you know, his given his high IQ play and you know his fundamentally sound game this season, he's really taken it to another notch. And it now I, when I say this comparison, I'm not talking talent at all. You know, they've had you know different careers, 
he's kind of reminding me a bit of Tim Duncan towards the end of his career. I completely agree. You know, he just knows he can't go out there and be the guy every game, but plays sound basketball in a complimentary role to a, you know, a go-to scorer and gets the job done that way. He's playing efficient, sound basketball, and, you know, I really think he's, like, the, the most important player on this roster. Yeah, and, you know, he, he's not a name that jumps off the page. You don't look at Al Horford as, wow, they got Al Horford, especially when they got them a couple off-seasons ago. You were like, oh, that was a great move, but yeah. at the end of the day, Al Horford's not winning a playoff series. He's not no. winning you a playoff game by himself, but... You put Al Horford with players like he's putting like putting him around Kyrie Irving, Jason Tatum, Marcus Morris, those guys this year, Jalen Brown even, uh, playing terrifically. Al Horford, his, I mean, his true shooting percentage is 64%. He's, he's off, offen- offensively very efficient. And then, you know, his defensive and offensive box plus minus, both positive 2.4 on offense, 3.3 on defense. So he's playing well on both sides of the ball. I, I would have to say the Celtics would, would struggle more without Al Horford than Kyrie Irving. Well, yeah, and especially just because Kyrie is such a volume shooter. Um, that does, you know, like we said with people like Carmelo Anthony, that takes a lot away from how the offense can flow and how other people can get in rhythm. And Kyrie has done a better job of getting his teammates the ball this year. Um, he Last year, when in his years in Cleveland, he was kind of working as an off-the-ball scorer with LeBron, basically, at the point. And now he's the guy facilitating everything. And I think as the season goes on, he'll improve, you know, getting his teammates involved more often. But, yeah, I mean, sometimes that takes away. You know, you can score all those points. You can hit a high percentage of field goals. But, you know, it takes away from the flow of the game if you have a guy chucking up shots all the time. Yeah. So, I mean, we'll move on. I, I know a lot of you guys aren't Celtics fans. Some of you might be. So you don't want to listen to us. Talk about the Celtics the whole episode. But, you know, Eastern Conference is a lot of fun to talk about, especially because it's kind of like the Western Conference where you're kind of comparing every team to the Warriors. In the Eastern Conference, you're kind of comparing can they beat LeBron. And the Celtics, you know, they're really close, and it would be really interesting to see what they could do with Gordon Hayward. We won't find that out this year. But this Celtics team is definitely in a position to make a run in the Eastern Conference. I don't think they will. Um, But, you know, we'll, we'll move on. There's one last thing I wanted to ask Blake. Before we uh, end this week's episode, we forgot to go over our game of the week. Um, I don't know if you got a chance to look into it, but I'm thinking yeah. uh, it's going to be Celtics and Spurs on Friday night. It's on ESPN, 9.30. I like the way the Spurs are playing. It's it's amazing what they're doing with the, the players they have on their roster. And then like we talked about with the Celtics, one of the best defensive teams in the NBA. I think you said earlier in the episode the Spurs are one of the best defensive teams in the NBA mm-hmm. too. So yeah. what a battle. Should be fun. Uh, sounds like from from looking at Blake's face that uh, he's got the same team game of the week. Yeah, and actually it was interesting. I wrote an article for the Breeze this week, and that was my game of the week. I love the coaching matchup. I'm I'm really excited about Brad Stevens versus Greg Popovich. You know, just looking at the rest of the games here, there's nothing. I mean, you get to watch the Cavs beat the 76ers again, so that'll always be a fun one for you, I'm sure. Um, Sunday we'll get to see Boston and Detroit. You know, they had a really good matchup this past week. Um, but besides that, yeah, it's looking more just, just like a solid, uh, coaching duel on Friday. Yeah. It's weird. When I, when I went through the schedule, there wasn't a lot of games that really popped off the page. Uh, a lot of good, even the good teams are playing some mediocre rosters this week. So, um, you know, I'm excited to see the Joel Embiid expose the Suns tonight, but, (laughs) uh, we'll see. Uh, this this basically wraps up this week's episode of Courtside Take, our premiere episode. Uh, any last words, Blake? Uh, go Knicks.
We got a good game against Indiana tonight. I think we can get that. Maybe the, the Pacers are playing pretty well this year. Uh, Oladipo's definitely turning around, but Porzingis, uh, Porzingis might break an ankle, so we'll see. I didn't. I know you don't want to hear that. Um. So yeah, that'll do it. Uh, follow all of our accounts, Pure Sports Network, on Twitter. Uh, the main account is at Pure Sports Net. Blake is actually the man behind the mask with the NFL account, so follow that. Uh, Pure Sports NFL. Uh, we got Pure Sports NBA, MLB, NHL, NCAA football, and NCAA basketball. Great coverage from all those accounts. Go follow them. And we'll be back every Monday. Uh, I'm excited to start this with Blake. It's, it's been a fun first episode. Uh, basketball is my, my favorite topic to talk about. Uh, the NBA and college basketball is great. I, I'm especially excited to look into you know the draft later on. Uh, that's going to be fun, especially with Marvin Bagley. I mean, I know we're not talking college basketball, but that man looks insane. So, like I said, go follow us. We're going to be on iTunes next week, so look out for us, and uh, thanks for joining us. Good night, folks. Yo.